How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me is my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? I'm doing okay, Jordan. How's uh, How did the first <laughs> week go? You, you are officially, unofficially part of uh, Los Angeles now. Uh, you, you are your favorite uh, distant resident. So uh, how, was your, how was your first week on the Rams beat? <laughs> Let me tell you what, I am, I am not only working from home, I am very, very much testing out the limits of uh, virtual workspace here. I'm navigating two time zones. So that's been, <laughs> that's been interesting. I will say, uh, we'll, we'll get to Sean McVay later. Um, you know, he, he met with us last week and uh, virtually, of course, and that was, that was interesting. That, that was uh, uh, an interesting conversation that got moved very, very conveniently into a, a good spot in my time zone, but not so much in, <laughs> if you're in Los Angeles, it was early. But for me, I was like, great, this works perfectly for my schedule. But yeah, um, yeah it's been wild navigating those two time zones. But I got a very, very warm welcome um, from Rams fans and from the team. And uh, I really couldn't be more grateful because... Um, People were just really, really nice. I got some great questions in my Q and A. Uh, if people missed that one, they should go back and check it out. Um, and it was a busy week. We had a schedule release, right? What? A schedule? Oh I my know gosh. a schedule. We have structure. We did, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so nice to to actually see uh, games. Uh, we would definitely uh, want to talk about. It. Yeah, it was a very interesting schedule. I, in, in fact, the, the uh-huh. more I look at it, the tougher it gets. I was just as I was writing it down, I actually put it down on paper so I could, you know, refer to it while we're talking. And I first I looked at it and I thought, oh, it's, you know, it's not that bad. And then the more I look at it, I go, oh man, there's some there's some like tough stretches in there. So uh, yeah, definitely want to talk about that. But uh, glad to see Jordan. Uh, you know, thank you to all of our readers and uh, you know listeners uh, the athletic uh, for for giving Jordan such a nice welcome we, we were so glad to, to have her and uh, you know her first couple stories she did a nice uh, story on like, the kicker competition and uh, that was very interesting because the three guys that the Rams have uh, they really couldn't be any more different uh, in terms of their backgrounds and uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they uh, compete and, and Jordan did a real nice job of kind of breaking that down with those uh, three guys and uh, previewing what should be an interesting competition. Uh, we got the schedule, like you said. Jordan, um, where's the uniforms? I, I don't you know. You've been here. You've been here for a week and you don't have any information for us about uniforms. Is that I, I don't I don't know when you're going to break that big news, but I, I know you're working on it, right? Yeah, you know, I actually do have um, some some breaking news regarding the uniforms. Um, they they will be made of some sort of cloth. And I know huh. that's like, whoa, man, we're getting crazy here. But I, I am yeah. I am pleased to report uh, via sources mm-hmm. close to the uniforms um, that they will be made of some sort of cloth. But but yeah, I, that mm-hmm. that to me. 
You know, Rich, I, I think that's going to be an interesting rollout. Um, to me, if I'm a team, you know, I try to capitalize maybe on a, a more dead period where sort of all of the conversation can sort of be circulated around me and what I'm doing. Um, so, so I guess, you know, I, my first impression of the beat is like, yeah, there is a lot of questions about where they are. And and I think even some people were wondering if they might be rolled out, um, you know, as the schedule got rolled out. But to me, um, if you have sort of this new thing, that's going to hopefully, um, you know, make you some revenue because you're selling jerseys, et cetera. Um, you know, you want to kind of release that in a more sort of quote unquote dead period, because that way the conversation whether it's for the positive or the negative, uh, circulates completely around you and, and what you're doing. Yeah, it, it's been a weird uh, thing here, Jordan. And, and some of it, I think, has been out of the, the Rams' control. Uh, you know, people, and, it, you know, we, we, we joke, and I know people take it seriously, and I'm not trying to degrade anybody's opinion or anything like that. But, you know, people ask a lot of questions, like, why is there a delay? Why are they, there, there's, there's not a delay, first of all. They, I know, I understand that I think five of the other six or six of the other seven, whatever it is, have already released their jerseys and which makes people think, well, you know, why, why aren't the ramp? What's the delay? Why are they holding? They had a plan initially, which was to do some type of event. I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't even know if they had really workshopped the entire thing, but, but they wanted to do an event kind of coinciding with SoFi Stadium being quasi done, mm-hmm. quasi open to the point where they could actually bring people there and and do some type of event. And obviously that wasn't going to be until, you know, probably June, maybe even July, mm-hmm. uh, but they wanted to do it to coincide with that and have a, a nice event. Well, now that's, that's probably not going to happen, unfortunately, because, you know, the coronavirus um, situation. So, then they kind of got stuck in this middle part where it's like, well, you know, what do you do? Do you just kind of drop them, you know, the way that other teams do? Do you wait? Uh, and, and the other thing is they had said, you know, we had Kevin Demoff on the podcast a few months ago and he was dropping hints then saying, OK, you know, it's probably going to be a split. They're going to release the logos and the colors at one point and then do the jerseys at another point after the draft. So mm-hmm. that's really been the plan all along. I understand people get kind of frustrated or, you know, they, they're anxious or eager to, to see him. But but that's that really was the plan. I'll tell you one thing, Jordan, and I think I mentioned this on the previous episode. I can't remember who we were talking to, maybe Andrew Siciliano. But I, I kind of think in hindsight now, it, it might have been good for them to just do everything at once, to just say, here's the new logos, here's the new colors, here's the new uh, jerseys, uniforms, and then, you know, roll them all out. Here's how they fit all together. Um, you know, take them <laughs> all all at one time. I don't know. I like. I, I understand what you're saying in terms of you know. You maybe you want to spread it out for mm-hmm. uh, for that attention purposes. But I, I just I feel like people are just getting more and more angry by the week. And and I don't know. I, is that good or bad? It's like the interest is definitely there. Like the people are really really bought into this uh, to this uniform reveal but I don't know I, I don't know whether they're setting up themselves up for something really good or setting themselves up for something really bad I feel like it's one or the other yeah and you know to your point too uh, you know you the the sort of the logo release it wasn't exactly like a completely dead period um, in the league right. there was things happening still but it still was you know it wasn't like the middle of the draft the schedule release those kinds of things I think that uh 
if they would have released all at once, yeah, I definitely see your point uh, with all of that. And considering sort of some of the backlash, um, you know, maybe hindsight will be 2020 in that regard. But um, it seemed like they kind of thought, well, okay, we're, we're going to not only be coordinating um, with sort of wanting to sort of dom- dominate the conversation, um, but also command, um, you know, c- work with the league and command sort of this, this presence within uh, a certain period of time. And, and again, like I agree with your point, it could have all happened in that first dead period, <laughs> you know, right. it could have all happened at that point. But, um, you know, once you, once you get a certain amount of time into a plan, um, it becomes a little bit harder to sort of change that plan, I think. And then also yeah. with the global situation and, um, wanting to, you know, take, have the right tone and wanting to coordinate things with like, even I think down to your, um, uh, your graphics team, your video team, your design team. I mean, you, the, you can't up until I, and I'm, I'm still catching up to speed on when California's like sort of reopen, uh, phases will start. Um, you, you can't even really meet with those people to do a photo shoot, for example, you know what I mean? So it's right. just, it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to, coordinate all of these things right now. So, um, I, I would expect later, like you said, um, it'll be interesting though. And I know, and you know, that was, that was fun too. I was, I think I dove feet first into the uniform conversation, but, um, so no I, other was, way. I was warned, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take any questions. It doesn't mean that I can answer all of them, but, but I will still take, right. I'll still take any questions that people have. So, but we did have something fun to talk about too. Um, as you were saying, yeah, this schedule, uh, it the more you look at it, the tougher it looks, I think. Yeah. So, like, initially I looked at that, you know, I, and I think we talked about it, too, uh, off the air, uh, about that, you know, post kind of bye week. You know, there's, there's that tough mm-hmm. schedule there where you talk about Seattle and Tampa Bay and San Francisco and even having to go to Arizona. And I thought, ooh, you know, that's going to be a big part. And then, like, as I was writing it down today, I go... Man, the, the start though too, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the teams, but the travel. Like the first eight games, five of them: Philadelphia, Buffalo, Washington, Miami. Sorry, that's only four. I, I can't I count very well. Uh, but th- that's four uh, East Coast trips, and in in your first eight games. And I, I know some of that's going to be mitigated. Maybe Jordan, you can share a little bit more about mm-hmm. that. The start, some of it will be mitigated by uh, staying on the East Coast, but but wow, like having to make that many uh, trips to, to the East and then it's not even going there, but then coming back and then having to get ready for a game the next week. I know people say, well, you know, what's the big deal? It's just a, you know, it's a flight. They fly in comfort, but it's it it means something. I and mean, Jordan, you know, you travel all over the country to, to cover games and, and things like that. It's uh, it, it's not that easy, and especially to do it right off the jump like that in the first half of your schedule. Uh, wow, that they they didn't they didn't catch many breaks there. Yeah, that's a really tough opening stretch, and I think uh, your you know your point about travel. Even though some some people are great flyers and some people are not so great flyers, but with a schedule like this, it doesn't matter how good of a flyer you are. Your body is going to be tired. Um, you're going to see them having to take extra precautions when they travel, um, I would assume, this this fall as well. And that is, that's going to be taxing um, from a logistics standpoint. Um, it's going to be taxing from um, just a physical mental standpoint. And, you know, we did learn 
that they sort of negotiated with the league to get this stretch with the Eagles and the Bills uh, back to back. They had a couple of options, and this one seemed to be the one that was uh, a better trade off for them, where they could get this this opening um, back to back road trips because they they think they're going to try to stay um, on the East Coast for that. Whether that means they'll they'll play in in Philly and then stay in Philly before traveling up to New York, or they'll play in Philly and then travel up to New York and then play in New York. Um, it, it just remains to be seen. But let me, you know, I, I have some experience with a trip like this. Um, back in 2016, the Panthers were coming off of their Super Bowl season and they had a West Coast road trip. Um, and it was, again, just like this one, as far west or far away from the facilities that you could possibly get. Um, they were Oakland, Seattle. And so um, they decided to stay out in San Jose, um, mm-hmm. play Oakland, and then travel up like it, like it would be a normal travel week up to Seattle and try to adjust to the time zone. Um, let me say that this kind of a stretch, it's only smart if, if you win. It's only smart if you win at least one of these games because it can, right. it can if you lose both of these games and the Panthers lost both of those games, not only did they lose both of those games, they had um, you know a controversy with Cam Newton not wearing a, a tie and Ron Rivera benched him for one play. And then on that play that he was benched, Derek Anderson, the backup, threw a pick six. Like, it was not good. Right. Like, it was not good <laughs> on the first play of the game. You know, and then they got, you know, stomped by Seattle. And then, um, you know, they were tired. They got hurt. They lost two. Their starting center and their two backup centers, they had to sign a guy off the street, like, and bring him up to San Jose um, right. It was really, really bad, and it it completely knocked the wind out of their entire season. And so that's something that you know I want to caution people when you think about this stretch is it it could be really great for them. It could be really smooth, really efficient. Um, they could sweep. They could win one of two. Either way, if you win one, I think you can come out of a trip like that, which is so taxing. Um, it'll probably be ten to fifteen days total on the road. And so, yeah. and by that, I mean away from the Rams facilities. And so, you you know, it can be really, really taxing. Um, but if you come away with the wins, you don't feel, you know, as much of a sort of drain on your system and your soul, right? And so I think that you it, it can really be a puncture wound, um, that kind of a back-to-back like that, especially if you're staying. Um, if it works, it works really well. If it fails, um, as we've seen, like it can sometimes fail pretty epically. Yeah, this this will be the Rams' first experience, at least since they have come back to L.A. with um, you know doing that East Coast stayover. Mm-hmm. Um, McVeigh got a little taste of it with the London games uh, because the Rams. Let's see, what did we do the first? Well, the first time in 2017, uh, they they played in Detroit and then flew directly to London, stayed there for a week. And then the uh, the second time, I believe, was Jacksonville. And uh, they played in Jacksonville and then stayed uh, for the uh, entire week and then and then flew to uh, to London. So, um, you know, different ways of, of doing it. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's something that. 
you, you know, you, you have to have so much in place to try to replicate exactly what you do on a, on a regular practice week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a long time. I mean, even, you know, traveling the way they do, staying the way they do in you know, five-star hotels and everything like that, it's still a long time to be on the road away from home and, and things like that. But I, I really think it was, it's the practical thing to do just, just because of this schedule. I mean, all those East Coast trips, and even if you spread them out, it's it's kind of like pick your poison. I mean, what do you want to be doing? Do you want to, you know, fly back east and stay there for, like you said, you know, 10, 12 days, whatever it ends up being? Or do you want to be constantly making these trips back and forth? Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami, uh, Tampa Bay. Like you, you have to make these trips at, at some point, <laughs> uh, Washington. So I don't think I mentioned Washington. So you, you have to make these trips at some point. Um, so if you can couple two of them together and, and at least save yourself a trip, I, I think it's probably the, the smart thing to do. But uh, we'll see, like you said, that the results end up being uh, the only real determinant. But Jordan, you mentioned, uh, you know, Philadelphia to, to Buffalo. Um I'm going to guess that uh, if people had to choose where to spend the week, uh, (laughs) it probably would be Philadelphia. I've spent a lot of time in Philadelphia. I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Buffalo. I made one trip there for a hockey game. Not sure I left the hotel because it was about eight degrees, I think, in the middle of the winter. So have you ever been to Buffalo? Have you done a game there? Like I hear it's nice when it's not frozen over. Yeah, I did a preseason game there. So that it was really, really lovely. Actually, I did a preseason game there last year. Or excuse me, it would have been uh, it would have been two years ago. And yeah. um, oh, my gosh, it was so fun. Um, because I just really like, I ate my way through Buffalo. <laughs> I went <laughs> Sounds to, like a good book title. I just yeah. yeah, right. I wanted to maybe like a horror movie, actually. But I, I, yeah, um, right. I wanted to really, I love wings. And so I really wanted to see, okay, is this really what all the fuss is about, you know, with, with the, mm-hmm. the Buffalo wings and everything. And, um, oh my gosh, I went to like several different places and had several different types of wings and, um, had the beef on weck and it was just a lovely experience. I gotta be honest wow. with you. Like it was wonderful. <laughs> and so for me, I'm like, you know, we get Philly, with the cheesesteaks and the, the, you know, yes. all the history and the, the architecture and you could do that or you could be up and, and just literally eating yourself silly for a week. Um, either way, I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I think that, I think it's going to be great and it's not going to be as cold. I mean, I'm an right. optimist, Rich, like this is going to be great. I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah. for this one. I think that this is going to be, and then, and, and to your point too, you know, the interesting thing I, these teams in the NFL, especially, they're so crazy, nearly to a obsessive compulsive point um, about conserving energy. Like I even had at one time a strength coach came up to me and just went on this epic rant because they were charting the energy that was expensed by players um, when they walked 600 feet from the locker room to this practice facility. And they were so mad because it was energy mm. like... We don't have enough golf carts to take them all. And this is how much energy exactly they're spending 
why they, when they take this walk and it's cold and I need them to save this energy and we need this and how can we fix this? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's 600 feet, dude. And so, know. you know, this, this trip, I think, um, you know, it, it's all about exp- or saving that sort of extra energy that it takes and any kind of yeah. micro level, you can find any sort of uh, edge or any sort of um, conservation of energy, I think is, is one that they're going to definitely uh, try to capitalize on. But it, I mean, like you said, um, this is a tough stretch. I think to me, the tough, the tougher one actually is after the bye week. And I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Seattle, Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. So again, you're making that, that East coast trip. Um, and then that Tampa Bay game is a Monday game. And that's the thing I mentioned a few minutes ago is it's not just the game, mm-hmm. but now you know, that that's a Monday night game on the East Coast. So I, I don't have I would have to do the math, but based on previous experiences, that, that means you're probably gonna be getting home I, I don't know, around two AM or sometime Tuesday morning. I'd have to do the math on that. Um, and and then you play again Sunday. So at, uh, against San Francisco, one of your biggest games of the season. So it, it it's not just the game itself. It's that's that coming back and recovery and then you lose a day. And you probably lose part of another day because, you know, your body needs time mm-hmm. to recover. You can't just go back uh, to the to the facility when you get home at 2 or 3 a.m. Uh, you you, you kind of get lost for a day there. So mm-hmm. tough game there. And then we don't know what Arizona, you know, you have to go and play at Arizona. And they're kind of a wild card team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely those games. But, Jordan, the other thing that was interesting to me about this schedule, and I want to see what you think. Now, before the schedule came out, we kind of heard this report that didn't end up being true, uh, <laughs> that maybe they would put the AFC games at the start of the of the season just in case they needed to get chopped. And let's say they needed to play a 12-game schedule instead. Then they could just say, all right, you know, those AFC East games, we're just going to chop them, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then you can play all the NFC teams. That didn't end up happening. It's pretty much a normal schedule. Now, the way that I read it, and correct me if I'm wrong, the way that I read it is that if, for some unfortunate reason, they should have to delay the season uh, or what have you, it seems like they are going to start wherever the schedule dictates. For instance, let's say they don't aren't able to start until the weekend of September 27th. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I, the way I understand it is th- that the Rams would basically go to Buffalo, and that would be their Week One game, mm-hmm. and that the first two games, Dallas and Philadelphia, then would get tacked on to the end of the schedule is that is that how you understood it as well when you when you heard about this yeah that's my understanding of it and then you um there's there's also something where uh everyone has sort of parallel bye weeks um not to say that everyone's in week nine but if you have to delay the schedule for a certain amount of time your bye week falls um on a certain opponent I, i believe it's the week the week two opponent uh yeah yeah and so that way you can sort of um, beyond it's, it's a way that the league's trying to keep the parody, honestly. And it's trying to keep, uh, people from maybe having a competitive disadvantage or advantage and keep people from, uh, you know, having more or less, uh, of this sort of travel bulk or less rest, et cetera. Um, because they don't know if they're going to have to truncate the season yet. And then also truncate's probably now the wrong word because 
as we know now, um, they are determined to play all of these games. And so um, they will add them to the end. Um, So we could be seeing, you know, football through January, um, if that's the way it sort of falls here. Um, And maybe even through February, but not in the way that we're uh, formally accustomed to seeing it. Yeah, no, that that was my takeaway, too, when I, when I heard about that, is that they absolutely are committed to playing a 16-game season. I didn't know how that would go. I didn't know whether they mm-hmm. would, where they would leave themselves the wiggle room and say, okay, you know, we'd be okay if you can chop off the first two or three or four games and play a 12-game. I don't think so. <laughs> I think they are committed to 16 games, like you said, whether that needs to go into February or, or whatever it is. But Um, The reason I kind of brought that up just in the context of the Rams is, you know, we talk about this being a a tough schedule, and I definitely think it is, but at least in terms of the the weather and and things like that, Mm -hmm. it's it's a pretty good schedule because you you talk about if if you have to go to Philadelphia and Buffalo, for instance, you definitely want to go in September. That's a good time to go. You don't want to go eh, a whole lot after that. You, you know, November on, you start getting a little a little dicey, I think. And then, uh, you know, they get the Miami trip in November instead. They get the Tampa Bay trip in November uh, instead. And, you know, the one at the end of the year against Seattle, yeah, that's going to be a cold one, but it pretty much always is. So it doesn't matter too much. But if, they, if those early games do end up having to get moved, then all of a sudden you're looking at going to Philadelphia and Buffalo in January and perhaps, and, and that doesn't sound quite as good. So I, I think the Rams are going to be invested. I, I know we all hope certainly for, for every reason that, uh, that things will be safe enough for, for those games to be played when they're scheduled. But I have to think that the Rams are extra hoping that that those games are played exactly when they are because it, it turned out pretty well for them in terms of the, the weather and stuff yeah and I think too the um you know that's a great trade-off I mean if you I know they have some truncated weeks here um some shortened weeks because of a Monday and a Thursday night game um but at the same time you're getting great weather through most of the stretch um all but maybe one one game in seattle and and honestly seattle weather is kind of a toss-up anyway we just you just never know (laughs) and so um and and really you get you get um as just about ideal um november conditions as you possibly can you're in florida twice then you have a rest week and then you're at home (laughs) so so you know your november conditions which is when um it's pretty much uh, you know, one of the tougher stretches year over year for any team that's hoping to make a postseason run is through that sort of identity forming time or identity establishing time in November. Um, they're, they're really lucky. I mean, they're not as lucky with that Tom Brady primetime travel, prepare for um, crazy mismatches, both at tight end and receiver, and then yeah. uh, go back and, and have a really physical game against San Francisco on a short week. They're not lucky for that, but they are. I think right. the weather, the weather uh, being ideal, is a great trade off. Um, and and also, you know, this schedule. I don't think it, it was going to be tough regardless. I think because just that's mm-hmm. just how if you're an NFC West team, that's just how your schedule is going to be at this point for the foreseeable future. It's just going to be tough. This this division cannibalizes yeah. itself consistently, and so. Um, it was always going to be difficult, and I think they they came away with maybe a best case scenario here. Honestly, 
Yeah, those uh, boy, those San Francisco games. Every time I look at the schedule, they just jump out at yeah. me because you know one of them coming back from again coming back from the East Coast after a Washington game, and then uh, you go back on the road. Not that it's a long trip to San Francisco, but uh, but it is another uh, road game a week later. And then, uh, gosh, yeah, that the one after Tampa Bay. Whew, I mean, that's that's not an easy uh, that's not an easy run there. So it, it's a really interesting schedule. I can say that much and. Uh, you know, my, my, I guess my, my final thoughts would on the schedule would be, I think they got to get off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that sounds really cliche because when when do you ever say, yeah, it's okay if you get off to a bad start. But, uh, but you know, having Dallas at home and then, you know, Philly, Buffalo, uh, New York Giants, Washington, that, that five-game stretch, uh, you, you better start making some hay there. You, you don't want to put yourself behind. You don't want to come out of that two and three or something like that, mm-hmm. because uh, then from from then on out, uh, it, it gets really tough. So that's that's what I'm looking at. Uh, it, the first game to me is fascinating. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys coming in. I I, I don't know what what to make of them exactly. Uh, I, I don't know whether that's a good first opponent or, or a bad one. I think it's a good barometer game for the Rams, um, and and not really surprised to see the Dallas Cowboys come in to, to open SoFi Stadium. But uh, any, any other games that, that really jumped out at you in terms of uh, something you're going to be keeping your eye on? Yeah, you know, you have to avoid that puncture wound, sort of, as I said before, um, that weeks two and three. Uh, you have to come out of that trip positively. You have to have saved as much energy as you, as you can. Um, you hope to win one, if not both of them. Um you know, I really like the the Dallas Cowboys opener as a uh, sort of feature game, as a sort of, uh, you know, this is going to be a cool commemorative ticket to save, for example. Um, I don't know that it's, you know, for me, I don't know that any any week one game is really a barometer game. I remember uh, watching yeah. watching the Rams last season and the Panthers, you know, I was in the, obviously in the Charlotte press box at that time. And I was like, Oh, the Panthers might be good this year. Look at them keeping pace with the Rams. (laughs) And then then they, and then they absolutely imploded. And so for me, I think that this is a really cool game because, um, you know, Dallas is shaping up to be pretty good. Um, you're going to know where your holes are if you're the Rams. And so by that, you know, by that sort of quote unquote barometer, I think that's a great, a great thing because Dallas seems to be more of a complete roster right now um, than than the Rams are. And I think that that shows you that's a game that could show you very much where you need some development work and you need to fill some holes. Um, And I really uh, I'm really, really excited for this, um, this sort of stretch here to see this is sort of this character building stretch, not to sound too cliche, but after, like I said, after the bye weeks 10 through 13, uh, specifically, those are that's a character building stretch in my mind, and not only is that a character building stretch, but again, it's November, it's mid November through the end of, uh, excuse me, through early December, and that is the time where you really know as a coach um, and as a player if you are if you have a playoff caliber team, and so um, you know all all the rest of it is sort of like identity establishment, right? And then once you get to the stretch in November you're going to know whether this team is built to make a run or not. And so I think that that's, um, that's going to be really important. So that's, those are the interesting points to me. Um, 
and I don't know, I'm just excited to be here. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd like I said, I'm an optimist. So um, I'm just I'm just thrilled to be here regardless. For sure, Jordan. I want to ask you about uh, Sean McVeigh's comments the other day, because I, I know he was on a conference call and shared some insight into the offseason program and how they're preparing for this hopeful, uh, you know, start of the season in September. Uh, but first, I want to share a message from our uh, friends at Hydrant. Uh, did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be that way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, Go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code FOOTBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code FOOTBALL for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code FOOTBALL. So, so Jordan, uh, tell me about Sean McVay uh, the other day. He's, he, you know, he's periodically getting on these uh, Zoom calls to, to share what's going on. Uh, with the team, They're, they've now started that the virtual off-season program. So uh, you're able to get some insight from him and how things are going. Uh, what were your takeaways? Anything particularly uh, grab you about the way the Rams are approaching this so far? Yeah, there are a couple keys here, um, and I think they'll be important to kind of keep in mind through the spring as as sort of this virtual off-season progresses. Um, you know, first and foremost. So uh, I guess the the rookies were all quote unquote onboarded um, throughout this past weekend, and that means that they're you know uh, getting into their off season programming. They're sort of meeting virtually, uh, getting into meeting rooms. They're um, setting up their equipment. They're sort of getting on a schedule um, with not just the virtual meetings and, and position group um, meetings, but also um, a workout schedule and something that. Um, Sean noted that was, I think, really important is how closely they're sort of monitoring um, outlier stats from the lockout. Um, and that was obviously when this that's obviously the most comparative body of data that they can use to sort of see what the warning, the things to be uh, careful about will be during this time as they, you know, again, just like in the lockout, cannot really interact with their players. They actually can do more so now than they could during the lockout. Um, right. But players are sort of tasked with their own workouts. Um, you know, every team is doing this differently, but, um, you know, the, the Rams are not mandating uh, specific workout sets. Like they're not sending them a list of, you know, do this many squats per day kind of a thing. Hmm. They're, ac- they're actually um getting getting them the equipment they need the NFL is allowing uh teams to send each player up to $1500 worth of equipment um and that's sort of catered to whatever x player needs like a player with who's coming off a knee injury for example is not going to be squatting heavy right so they're going to probably be doing more band work so instead of getting them a weight set with that $1500 you get them uh a set of 
exercise bands, things like that, um, where they can do a little bit more mobile work. And so they have to, this is, I don't think it can be understated how massive an undertaking this is for the strength program, especially with a new strength coach on staff. Um, it's, it's absolutely huge because you have to, uh, very, be very specific, like you do in a regular, um, situation in a regular setting, you have to be very player specific, but in this way, you have to do it from afar. You can't, um, spot somebody and really see how their body is moving and responding to things. You have to just sort of quote unquote, trust the process. (laughs) And so, um, that to me, that's a freaky thing. If I'm a head coach that keeps me up at night, because I don't know how, players' bodies are responding. I don't know how everyone's going to come back and, and be in shape. And you're kind of just putting this structure out there and and making sure that people know that that's what's expected of you if you're a professional in this league and on this team is you have to be showing up in shape whenever that day comes. Um, it, it's interesting how, many, how much injury data they're monitoring right now. And Sean was pretty good about that uh, when I asked him about um, sort of the types of, of precautions that they're taking. And, and they were really worried especially about a higher percentage year over year in Achilles injuries um, than mm-hmm. than before when it was the you know 2011 season right after the lockout there's a higher percentage of Achilles injuries a lot of that like soft tissue deep tissue stuff they are really really looking at in terms of making sure you're reducing stress I know that it's a worry across the league that they're gonna see an increase in high ankle sprains knee injuries Achilles things like that and so that's I think one of the focuses of building up those muscle groups and tissues um, around whatever concerned area um, it is. And so I think it's really interesting. You're seeing um, just different programming, um, obviously outside of the obvious, which is everything's happening via Zoom meeting or or virtually. Um, and so to me, those were my, my major takeaways. I mean, you know, we, we asked about the schedule and he has, uh, you know, we're going to go out there and compete and all that stuff and, and you know, it's not like he's going to say, you know, we're going to skip that one, <laughs> you know, like he's not going <laughs> to, he's not going to say that. And so, um, you know, I thought his, his assessment of the the difficulty of the schedule was very fair, but to me, those were the most important things because again, um, whether the season is going to be sort of a wash or a quote unquote red shirt year for some teams, uh, versus whether they feel they're going to be competitive it really all depends on how effective their off-season virtual programming is, really. More so probably than um, any other year other than that lockout season. And so um, that getting a little insight in that regard, um, I think, was incredibly important. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, there's no blueprint for this, that's for sure. And, and every team is, is going to be handling it differently. And it's, it'll be fascinating to see who kind of comes out of it. Uh, better. Yeah, I, I think that last, uh, you know, the last time there was a, a spring kind of lockout was was 2011. And uh, Sean was in Washington then as a, as a tight ends coach. So so he did get some glimpse of that. Um, I, it'll be it, the other thing that'll be interesting to me is kind of how they, they come out of this. Now, you know, we know a, a normal uh, kind of training camp situation is your guys you, you kind of have your, your guys in the building in, in early uh, June, you know, you have the, the mini camp and, and then they break for about a month and a half. The, you know, that's kind of their vacation time, their last vacation time. And then they come back in, in late July, usually the last week of July and have a training camp for a couple of weeks. And then you get into preseason games. So it'll be real interesting. Uh, you know, hopefully camp does start on time. 
um, whether or not you how how hard you go in those games because even in the even in the ideal scenarios even a normal scenario you see those little hamstring injuries groin injuries on on the first few days of camp because guys haven't been you know going full speed during during the off season so if it's a situation like this where they haven't had really anything other than working out on their own and doing stuff um, it, it'll be it'll be curious to see how hard they push at the beginning there how hard they push in the early uh, preseason games, things like that, to kind of toe that line between you, you want to get yourself geared up, but you don't want to be risking these these big injuries. Um, Jordan, what do you think about rookies? They're like this is something that, that's really curious to me because you, you mentioned the you know the onboarding and all that stuff. I mean, this is usually a really important time mm-hmm. uh, to get to get those young guys in the building. You know, they they start to learn. They get into that you know weight training and conditioning programs. Uh, they they build camaraderie with their teammates and things like that. And, and now it, it looks like you know other than other than through the virtual program, they're, they're probably not going to be face to face with people until July. So it, does that does that change it for you when you talk about you know guys like uh, Cam Akers or Van Jefferson or any of these guys? Is it it's probably going to be a little more difficult for them, right, than it would be in a in a normal year? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, a couple things stick out to me as sort of red flags in that situation. Um, one is you for and you might not, we we're talking like the preseason will happen and we don't even know even then if if that's going to be canceled and so. If you're a rookie, first of all, you you don't get a chance to see what the speed of this league is as as mm. it compares to college, and it's night and day. Um, and and you think you know a lot of rookies you hear about. Okay, well, yeah, we've got it, we've got it, we're ready, we're ready. And then you they go out the first preseason game and they're like, oh my god, everyone's moving so fast, <laughs> everyone's yeah. so big, like it's. It's a it's a hugely eye opening experience. So those preseason games are really important, and if they don't happen, that's an even bigger um, sort of hill to climb. And then um, also, you know, as you kind of are, if you if you need to be a day one impact guy, like I'm assuming Cam Akers will need to be, uh, Van Jefferson, another guy who I think um, needs to be ready to potentially start or be a key rotational figure. Um, you know, you you have to understand. Um, you know, how to take care of your body, for example, like a professional, you don't have as long of a stretch of games. Um, you are not traveling like this normally. If you are, um, coming from college to pro, you are not, this is not a work, it's not a workday environment. You are a student athlete and that has its massive challenges, but it's a different sort of challenge. This is a professional, this is your job. This is how you're now making your money. And so, um, a lot of times coaches will put veteran players, especially when they know certain rookies will have to start for them quicker than normal. Um, they'll put veteran players in key spots within those position groups so they can lead by example, essentially. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the guy is starting, but you know, the rookie will, will learn from this guy nevertheless. And so, uh, or excuse me, nonetheless. And so um, that's going to be difficult. They can't physically see, okay, this is what, you know, X veteran, more veteran receivers body composition looks like. These are the things that he focuses on throughout the week. This is how he filters out extra noise. This is how he, um, this is how he, you know, approaches his meetings. This is how he studies his playbook. This is how he, 
uh, ask questions of coaches. You know, these types of things, you really miss that um, if you're a rookie and you're developing in that way. And, And it sounds, they all sound small, but this is the number one league of quote unquote, the little things you do every day stack up to make the big things possible. And so it, it's such a coaching cliche, but it actually is real. It's real life. And so, um, you know, I, I think if, I, if I'm a rookie and I'm a coach who's coaching up rookies, I worry about um, body development first and foremost, uh, adjusting to game speed and then adjusting to life and sort of the way of the NFL. And it often takes rookies well into their first season um, and sometimes even to their second and third to really feel like they're comfortable this, I think, would only put a little bit more of a deterrent onto them. And so if I'm Sean McVay and I'm a staff, um, particularly such a smart staff that they have, um, I'm thinking of ways to expedite that process without necessarily skipping steps, if that makes sense. Because you don't want to skip steps yeah. in development, but you want to make sure you're being as efficient as possible. And so um, if, if I'm them, I'm troubleshooting any possibly any way possible to try to figure out um, how I can help get these guys uh, to come along a little bit quicker in their pr- in their process without necessarily um, skipping things that'll kind of hurt them down the road. Yeah, no, great, great way to to put it. And um, yeah, there's only so much you can replicate. I mean, it's yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing what you can you know replicate now in terms of obviously they're they're able to send these uh, computer tablets, Surface tablets to the to the players, and they have all the uh, playbook loaded up. They have video. They can even, you know, share screens online so that they can break down film. And I'm sure they're even testing the rookies on stuff like that. But yeah, so much of it is exactly what you just said. I can't say any better. Just it's, it's being there. It's, it's living that lifestyle. It's just adjusting physically, emotionally, uh, you know, people are moving across the country even to a different environment. Um, so it, that's stuff that you, there's no way, there's no way you can replicate that. So um, everybody's in the same boat. It's not that the Rams are any, mm-hmm. you know, behind the eight ball compared to anybody else. But um, that's just what'll be interesting to me, especially maybe some of these other teams. The Rams, again, we have a little bit of it with uh, guys like Cam Akers and, like I said, Van Jefferson, maybe Terrell Lewis, some of these guys who you're counting on to uh, step in and play big roles early. But some of these other teams even, you know, you talk about Joe Burrow, like in Cincinnati, like is he going to be are – you, are you counting on him to be your week one starter without any kind of – uh, traditional offseason or, you know, even offensive linemen who you want to step in or people like that. Uh, it's, it's definitely not going to be your traditional kind of, uh, kind of offseason. So uh, I, I guess the, the Rams have their plan and, and mm-hmm. they're going forward, you know, we're now what in, into mid May basically. So, um, you know, they, they would be approaching that time where they could do kind of the, the, the practices that we traditionally call OTAs. Uh, where everybody would be out on the field and kind of going through practices, but but none of that's going to happen. Uh, and but it sounds like they're they're planning uh, the the best that they can. Yeah, and you know that, and, and you know one more point here, Rich, before we um, before we go is I kind of see this as a uh, you remember that metaphor, uh, or maybe it's not a metaphor. Uh, I swear I'm a writer, but <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that that thing about the bear. You you know you 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 and your friend are attacked by the bear. <laughs> And yes, I know. you don't I need know. to outrun the bear. You just need to outrun your friend. Well, exactly. to me, yeah. this first stretch of the schedule is just like that. They don't need to necessarily, uh, right. you know, 
outrun the bear, quote unquote. They don't need to be the best prepared team in the league um, for, you know, it, during this unprecedented time. They only need to be better prepared than the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Bills, and the Giants. <laughs> and that That's way, right. and that way you can start to develop those rookies and develop those players and and kind of find a team cohesiveness um through that first stretch. And I think that'll be crucially important. And you know what? Because I'm an optimist, what you know, to me, it's almost like if you don't get preseason games, at least you get a nice long, you know, 10 to 15 day stretch on the road where you're bonding with your teammates in weeks two and three. Um, so at, at the very right. least you're getting that kind of experience. So, um, yeah, but it's going to be an interesting one. And, um, and, you know, I think, you know, if anybody ever has, you know, any questions about the schedule moving forward, you know, Rich and I are, uh, always, always online. It seems like, <laughs> and always, <laughs> always interacting. <laughs> Nothing else um, to do. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, we're, we're of course happy to answer any questions anyone might have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at Jordan Rodrigue on Twitter, J-O-U-R-D-A-N-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E. I am at Rich underscore Hammond. You're free to uh, ask questions anytime. Jordan did a fa- uh, fantastic job with her, her Q&A uh, last week, and we always do the mailbags and things like that that are always fun to do. So, And we're going to be starting very soon here a, a little series where we – uh, kind of go back and forth, go position by position, talk about starting with the quarterbacks, uh, what we think, where the Rams stand, where they've been, where they're going uh, in terms of the players themselves and, and the overall position of the strength. So we had an interesting chat about the quarterbacks that, that will be uh, published here today. And uh, we'll go position by position. But want to thank everybody for uh, all their great feedback so far. It really was a fun week. So glad to have Jordan on board, uh, not only here on the podcast, but with our, our coverage. And uh, even though it's a tr- untraditional off season, uh, that uh, we uh, definitely have a lot of plans for, for great coverage, great stories, great content on the podcast. So I want to thank everybody who has uh, been listening and certainly encourage your friends and fellow Rams fans to uh, give us a listen because uh, we got some fun stuff, right? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about what our plans are. And, you know, I wish we could, I wish we could share a little bit more about them because I'm so, I know we're all three of us, we have, you know, this Slack channel and we're just really excited about <laughs> it. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to say again, thanks to everyone so much for the warm welcome. Um, you know, Rich has been amazing as usual. Um, and, and, you know, the whole athletic LA staff and the fan base and the team, um, everyone's been really, really kind and, and very, very welcoming. I appreciate the great questions. Um, and, you know, thanks as always for listening to 11 personnel and I hope everyone stays safe. Indeed. Feel the same way. I hope everybody's hanging in there and, uh, looking forward to hopefully, training camp, but we'll, we'll get you there with some some coverage along the way. So thanks, everybody, for the uh, great reviews, the uh, ratings on iTunes and things like that. Appreciate all your feedback. You can always hit us up on Twitter, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. So until then, take care, everybody, and we will talk to you next week.